Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to a new edition of the Blue Turf. This is Thad Bell from the Blue Testament and Eric Bergrud with me from the Comets broadcast team. And it seems like every other pod in the MASL universe lately. You've been busy this week, haven't you, Eric? Well, apparently a lot of people have my phone number. They've been texting me to to come in on their podcast. So it's been a busy week. I did MASL Monday on Monday. I did the soccer's overtime on Tuesday. But I'm back home with you, Thad, where I'm always meant to be. Well, I think you're meant to be in the broadcast booth with Nick. I'm just kind of your side gig. So <laughs> I, I, I know my place in this, but I think everybody heard how good you were here. And that's why they were uh, all calling for you. Right. I don't know. I, uh, I think it's a labor of love, what we do for soccer and particularly for indoor soccer and oh, yeah. uh, any opportunity that, that I can to help talk about the game. Uh, if I'm available, I'll do it. Yeah, it's not like we're getting rich off of talking about indoor soccer now, are we, sadly? Hey, th- there's always brighter days ahead, Mr. Bell. It's the way I see it. And wealth is often determined not by the amount of cash you have, but by the friends you make along the way. Hey, and there are a lot of Comets fans who've made friends along the way and uh, have stories to share along the way, and we're along for the ride. That was kind of like way more upbeat than I normally am with that little statement. How about it? that? Yeah. All right. Let's dive into the negative then. Last game, Tacoma Stars came to visit Kansas City. We were very hopeful, uh, 
probably I was a little more optimistic than you even, but that Comets would get a big win, and it turned out to be the exact opposite. Uh, I won't say a big loss, but it was, it was not a good loss. I had something that came in my head, and I, I can't remember if this is exactly what Alan Greenspan said about irrational exuberance. Perhaps that's what, what we experienced, because if you recall, last time we recorded, we had just heard the news about Christian Andreos and uh, and Benji Monreal and, and Junior Kazim being eligible to play. Everybody was upbeat. We were at the world-famous soccer dome, not just the soccer dome, but the world-famous soccer dome. Players were cheering. Everybody was excited for Saturday. But what happened? The Tacoma Stars happened. Danny Waltman happened. And I think they they had a game plan coming in that definitely worked for them. And uh, you know, kudos to Tacoma for a team that had been off for a month that had only played two games. They were the dominant team Saturday night. A lot of times when you have a long layoff, it can play against you. But I think it played in their favor because – uh, it was one of those, uh, Danny said after the game, that they were uh, tired of kicking each other and wanted to kick somebody else. So that definitely came into play. Danny, we know how good of a goalie he can be. He's obviously on the the latter part of his career, to put it nicely, but he still makes some big saves. But the Comets helped him out in some of those saves, don't you think? Yeah, no, I think that if you were to if you were to track the shots at Danny were, were several of them right at him or comfortable saves? Absolutely. But I, I have a flashback to Benji trying to do his 200 or his 2023 version of a creative goal scoring where he tried a side scissor kick that Danny saved because of his positioning yep. that we could have been talking about something else. I'm going to take a step back from what I said about Tacoma being dominant. Kansas City put on a lot of shots. Totally true. 42 Tacoma, to 20? Yeah. What Tacoma did effectively is defended well, and they countered extremely well. And if you look at, at some of the, the signature goals that Tacoma scored on Saturday night, it was on the counterattack. And I hear a lot of announcers talking about stats and shots on goal is one that that people bandy out a lot. But for me, the ultimate stat is the scoreboard and Tacoma won that one. And that's really all that matters at this point. Yeah. And you're, you're right. Of course, that's the only thing that matters for the individual game. You kind of look at the other things as trends or what could have been or what should have been if they'd have done something a little bit different or a little bit better that 27 shots in the fourth quarter and what three goals I think out of that 27 shots well and and the goals they gave up in the fourth quarter too I mean you know that when you go six attacker there's a risk of giving up goals and I get that but the one that Eddie Nah scored left-footed top shelf with with in the midst of a counter-attack and I remember calling this with Nick Bassos he had a, a wide open back post runner and decided to shoot it himself. If he had passed it, there was a wide open goal. He shot it. It was on the list of uh, goals of the week. MASL showed in their, their video and uh, the, the Comets found themselves on their heels too many times in that game. And, and you, you pivot from there and you think, where are you going? You're, you're going to San Diego. Then you're going back to St. Louis for the last time this season. And then you have Milwaukee coming here. And so when I talked to the uh, soccer's, I might've said this on MASL Monday too, Comets need to be looking at getting points, right? 
So on the road, points. Could be one point, could be two points, could be three points. If we have to explain what I mean by that, I'll be glad to do that. But but I, I would think that for the Comets to view these next three weeks, they're within a week of, of, of each other as a success. It needs to be a minimum of, of six points there. However you get there, nine points total, right? You can that do the math good. and figure out the different ways to get to six. Nine would be the dream week. I'm being a little bit more pragmatic just with the travel that they're going to have to experience there. If you could get six white, six points out of those three games, I would call that success. Oh, I would too, especially considering the opponents uh, at the soccer's at the ambush and then back home for Milwaukee. Right. Right. And uh, none of those are easy at this point. None of those are easy. The Comets did win in St. Louis. We talked about it last time, but could have had three points last time, wound up getting uh, two points because they won in overtime after giving up two goals in that final minute. And so you can't think about all as a player, you can't think about all three. You're playing about a one day at a time, but that we have the luxury of not being players. So we can, we can speculate, we can do whatever we want. And, and San Diego is going to be a tough game. You have 16 time indoor champion back to back defending indoor champions has not lost in how long they uh, play extremely well defensively. They're extremely organized. They have a goalkeeper who I argue right now is at the top or near the top of the MVP list for the league, Boris Pardo is yeah. under four goals against average. That's a lot to contend with. The um, On the road. Oh, a lot to contend with at home with that team. So much less there. They obviously are going to, it, that's going to be difficult. They're going to, if they can get a point out of that game, it will be actually a success in my opinion. Um, you know, I don't think Leo might say the same thing, but because they really need, you say this every week, they need to get points. They need to get points. They need to make the playoffs. And they absolutely. So, so let's talk about the playoffs a little bit. And then maybe we go back to the San Diego game. Cause I was asked uh, on Alex's show on MSM, Alex Boschavansky on his show Monday. And in, in terms of what's the matchup in the East, there's a, there's a big matchup with Utica and St. Louis coming up this weekend and arguably that's for fifth place, right? So if you look at the Eastern Conference standings, Florida's in first. Milwaukee still has not lost in regulation. They came to Kansas City and lost in overtime last time. Right. You have Utica. Uh, so you have Kansas City up there, right? You uh, understanding that St. Louis has been hit and miss you've got uh utica that uh scores a lot of goals and they give up a lot of goals as well and and, and trying to figure out what are the five teams that are going to qualify for the postseason so so the first three teams will get a bye four will play five sort of at the play into the playoffs right so i think for comets fans i feel fairly confident saying no matter what happens, expect the Comets to be one of those five. But you would rather be near the top so you can have some home field advantage going into the playoffs. Right, because uh, just running down that east side for the moment, Florida has 19 points. They've played nine games. 
Milwaukee has 13 points. They played only five games. Kansas City has played nine and has 12 points. Baltimore with seven games, nine points, and Utica with eight games and eight points. Comets go on a couple of game winning streak, and all of a sudden you're like looking at them being in the top three easily. Um, you know, things can change. They go on a couple more games losing streak, and you're starting to question whether they do make the playoffs. So so let me let me do some math a different way about these three games, San Diego, St. Louis, and Milwaukee. I, I told Soccer's fans uh on, on Tuesday night's show this is the last time that Kansas city has to play a Western conference team. And, and, and really it, it, in a, in a way it doesn't matter. So there are 20 games within the Eastern conference and four in the Western conference. It's probably more important and healthier to think about St. Louis and Milwaukee. I'm not suggesting at all to tank, to, to no. do whatever with San Diego, but play this out a little bit. If Kansas City goes into St. Louis and beats them there and gets all three points, that's three points St. Louis thinks they should have had that they've lost, plus three points Kansas City gains on them. Milwaukee is going to be another battle, and they're going to look at the same way. And so these head-to-head matchups that now will be what Kansas City faces the rest of the year become ultra-critical. You're going to have games against Florida. Haven't played Florida yet. You mentioned Baltimore, and I hadn't even talked about them yet, but there's there's an opportunity to create some space there. Yes, it's important that Kansas City gets a good result in San Diego, but what's even more important is that they show that they're, they deserve to be at the top or near the top of the East because the rest of the season after this Sunday is going to be 100% Eastern Conference. Very true. You got to look at the Western Conference points as as free points because the the Eastern Conference points matter much more in this regard, like you were just saying. But uh, uh, yeah, with a, with an asterisk or a caveat that if you get to the end of the regular season and you're down a point or two, you may go back and think, "Wow, if we had just beaten Monterey at home." we would have gotten three points rather than one. And that might've been the difference between first place and second place or second place and third. You can't go back and do that and and change those results, but you can do looking forward is saying we're going to dominate this Eastern conference, because here's the thing, no matter what anybody says, players, pundits, fans about the Western conference being better than the Eastern conference. And I said this to the soccer fans Tuesday night, only one team from the Western Conference is going to be in the final. Only one team in the Eastern Conference is going to be in the final. And it doesn't matter if the second team in the West had a lights-out season. doesn't matter. Nope. Because if they don't make it to the finals, it's not going to be as successful as they would have liked. And you never know. It could be the fourth-place team in the West making the finals, not the first-place team. It's You, you, you absolutely chaos. never know. And so the goal ultimately is – how can we dominate? How can Kansas City dominate the Eastern Conference and put itself in a position to compete for the Ron Newman? And I feel like I have to say this every week. Ultimately, it's grabbing points on the road. So, yes, it's important. Grab what you can in San Diego. It's more important to grab what you can this coming week at St. Louis, trips coming up to Milwaukee, and then you start thinking about Florida, Baltimore, and then at the end of the season, Harrisburg's there, which I think if we learn anything from Tacoma, Thad, you can't assume anything in a given day. If you figure you're going to walk into your arena or somebody else's arena and and automatically get three points, 
it's not the way it works in this league. You have to work to earn your points. Yep. And uh, I talked to Leo today. I didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game last, uh, uh, but talked to him a little bit after practice today. And one of the things he pointed to is that Tacoma wanted that game more. And the part of practice I got to watch was uh, a simulated game between what would probably be mostly the team that will be playing and against mostly the team that won't be playing, but I won't say who those people are because I think Leo might get mad at me, but it was a rather intense game and people were getting their rears chewed out by the coach for not doing what they wanted him to, what he wanted them to. He would, if they had a restart from a certain spot and they didn't play it off well enough, he would take them back to it. And like, he was very intense about that. And I asked him if that was to help raise that intensity level in the game even more. He said, absolutely. Well, and I think intensity is an interesting term. And, and, and I'll tell you why I knew coming into the soccer's uh, overtime show, there was going to be a conversation about how many penalty minutes Kansas city racked up in San Diego last year. I think it was 42, right? Is that being intense or is intense, intense focus, right? I, I, I don't think we're not necessarily talking about intense. I was going to say violence, but intense physicality, right? which is sometimes the mindset going on the road. There has to be intense focus because you make a mistake against the San Diego Sockers. That's one thing. You make five mistakes, they will make you pay again and again and again and again. Uh, absolutely. And hope I, I I know Leo well enough. I will, I will say that I think it's intensity in the game, not the physicality of it. But the Comets do have a little bit of a reputation for losing their cool, and it's somewhat justified at times. So uh, Craig Elston, who's the play-by-play voice of the Soccers and co-host of, of Soccers Overtime, hinted strongly at who the referees were going to be on on Sunday. I have not seen that confirmed because I have not received the game notes. But uh, if if who he said is is accurate, I would expect a closely called game. And I would expect that based on what happened last year. So the Comets uh, hopefully will understand that and will approach the game accordingly. And and I there is enough talent. You've seen it. You've been to enough practices that you've been to enough Comets games in the past year. There is enough talent on this team to compete in this league. There is. It's getting all the pieces faced in the right direction. I mixed metaphors there people on the same page. The other thing I, I would say is there's excitement for Christian and, and for Benji playing. I, I thought they both tried a little too hard. Which on, is a little bit understandable, Saturday, which is understandable. You want to, you want to demonstrate to your teammates, to your fans, to the, to the other team. Hey, I'm back and I'm a force to be dealt with, but sometimes this game can be more complicated than it needs to be. And uh, I'll be watching Sunday. I'll be out there on Sunday, but I'll be watching to see how both of them play in terms of are they are they fitting into their roles the way that Leo Gibson, Stefan Stokic envision, or are they trying to do all things because they feel like they have to now that they've, they've gotten a chance to come back in the lineup? Yeah, that was actually something I was noticing during that game, uh, probably more so from Benji, not trying to leave Christian out of it, but um... – because you know he his role was more that defensive runner, but he was probably 
you know, a little uh, hyper about that sometimes too, but those are things that they haven't had real games where right. the other guys have. So hopefully that does settle down a little bit for them. And who knows who else might play this week or who may not play. So I don't want to, cause I have actually don't know that for, for certain. So I don't want to say what I think, but I would expect both of those guys to still be in the lineup. I would expect both those guys to be, the comments have waited so long for them to be there. I think that, that to make a run, in the Ron Newman cup playoffs, both of them have to be on, not just on the field, but both of them have to be on bringing the intangibles that they have. And with Christian, it's work rate, it's hustle, it's, it's uh special teams. It's everything. And with Benji, he's a game maker in the, in the midfield. And, and what I saw was him trying to do the impossible again, like we saw in the playoffs against Dallas last year, it's okay to score a good goal. <laughs> Not everything has to be great. He almost had a good goal uh, that wound up bouncing off the post and Lucas Sosa smashed it in yeah. on, on Saturday, but not everything has to be on sports center. It's okay to score goals. Do you know oh, what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, what did you think of Benji being the sixth attacker? It was, uh, was he a so, good so a couple of interesting things. Uh, so he played, goalkeeper before so so his background as goalkeeper in the past interview him sometime bring him on the show let's talk to him so it was interesting because you don't normally see six attackers playing with gloves on and he was playing with gloves right. on which is should be a tell for you right um yeah i i think that he has the skill to do it obviously the goalkeeper rule last year's goalkeeper rule has changed things because with back passes to the goalkeeper, it makes sense to play the goalkeepers on the wing rather than back at the point, because if they have to go behind midfield to get a ball, you could you could draw an infraction that right. way. But the last goal that Tacoma scored was on the sixth attacker, and it was a loose ball that got sent towards midfield. Benji tried to slide. He, he didn't get the ball. And it, it was a, it was an easy goal in. I, I kind of like Togba back there as um, as the last defense. I can't tell you how many times, not necessarily six attack or bad, but in any situation this year, if we were to go at the end of the season and 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 count up, how many times has the other team had a chance to score, but Togba zipped back and broke up a play? Yep. I, I think we would be well over our fingers. We'd be in our toes trying to do that and so one of the things that concerns me about the comets is closing speed right so we saw this at the game at st louis twice where marcel barry kind of blew past everybody got taken down for for a shootout we saw uh, a miss there on the sixth attacker there against tacoma Comets like to press, comets like to go up, but you need the ability to fall back if you lose the ball. And I think that's what Togba brings. And so that's probably a longer answer than you wanted to. What do you think about Benji? I think Benji is great as a six attacker. I just would want to make sure that we've thought everything through in terms of where Togba is on the field as well. No, actually, I, you came to the same answer I was going to give, but probably shorter. I kind of like Togba back there a little bit better because he does have that speed and also more indoor experience at this point, because that position is sometimes 
just as much about reading the play and reading what's going to happen than it is the absolute speed, but the absolute speed is a big cure-all for any mistake. So, Well, speaking of goalkeeper rules, we've, we've been joking about the Neto rule, and, and Neto actually wound up spending some quality time in the sin bin too. And so yep. I, I think – deservedly that, so. Well, yeah, and, and I think that this demonstrates the important depth on the team – having a, a a quality number two you can go to and and I've been impressed with Steven Tekeski as well but also you can't go into a place like San Diego and get two minutes and, and five minutes so in his case seven minute penalties down there and feel, think you're going to get away with it and no, so I, I mean for me you go back to where this part of the, the conversation started that was on intensity and you saying Leo was talking about intensity, and I said intensity of focus. The comets need to minimize mental mistakes. Goals will come in, and I think that fans will be happy when the comets are tallying nine goals, ten goals a game. Right now, it's not happening. More but like what five. you don't want to happen is find yourself constantly with the rap patrol out there, defending, 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 because another two minute another two minute another two minute sometimes you're going to make physical mistakes and get two minutes that happens in every sport right what you don't want is a mental mistake costing you very true the um back to to keski for a moment i thought he did really well in that that period of time that's uh you know first time i got to see him in person in a game you know real real game at that point i thought he did really well only gave up one goal uh, made some good saves, was in the right spot, and I think the goal he gave up was something he couldn't have stopped. It was, you know, ob- you know, the defense gave it up, not him. So I, I have a little issue with him getting more time at some point in the future, but that was a definite mistake by Neto because he did let that leg drag behind him and uh, take the player down. So it was a well deserved one. I don't. The five minute, I guess, was for dissent or no, it was, it was it was delay and in coming into the penalty yeah. box is what they right. what they announced. So it was hard for us up in the booth to to kind of get a clear of what happened, what was the time delay, but that was that was the reasoning. But but on the subject of Neto, I've spent more time in the last, I would say, four weeks having online conversations with Comets fans who have their own thoughts about goalkeeping and what what I told the uh, soccer fans on their show is you don't see soccer. Well, first of all, I, I think everybody there is happy with Boris Pardo, but, but put that aside for a second. When Tavoy Morgan isn't scoring, you don't have fans saying, let's bench him. We ought to trade him. Let's get rid of him. But it seems like, like fans automatically want to want to bench or trade or get rid of goalkeepers. And yeah, I've been defense defensive or defending Neto. And yeah, I, I think I've had fans come, come in back and forth with me on different forums, but I was watching the Monterey and Chihuahua chat and there were fans in the chat after Monterey went down. Oh, this is horrible. We got to fire our coach and we need to bench Reynoso. So, so part of it comes with the territory that, oh, yeah. that, that players or that goalkeepers and, and coaches, I mean, automatically, uh, fans want to blame them, but for, for Comets fans or fans of any other team who will say our problem solely squarely is the goalkeeper. And by changing the goalkeeper, things are going to get better. 
after Saturday's game and I heard from fans, I asked, well, how about St. Louis? Paulo gave up more goals than Neto did and Gamboa and, and Dallas gave up more goals. And, and you, you know, you, you look at St. Louis and you look at Dallas, it's not the goalkeeper's fault that they're in a situation where they are in, in and I'm saying the same thing in Kansas city, just like in St. Louis, just like in, in Dallas, you can't blame all the goals on the goalkeeper because those are two of the best shot stoppers in the entire MASL. I think there are more issues at play than just the goalkeeper in, in Kansas city, but Neto has been a target for home fans as well as visiting fans. But he also has the attitude that he's able to play through it and play yes. through any criticism. And I give him tons of respect for that. So I just want to make sure I'm clear. There is no way that I'm trying to be calling for Neto's head and getting rid of him or anything like that. It is still fair to criticize him for mistakes that he makes. I mean, this is oh. what this is what we do. We make mistakes. They and you know, people call us out for a typo in an article. Uh but if they make a mistake, it's a goal or a penalty or an injury or whatever you want to say. So when Neto does something, it's fair. It he's a he's a fantastic keeper. I've I was he's been growing each year and getting better. That doesn't mean he doesn't have some room for being criticized for things. No, and I wasn't saying that you were saying that bad. I, I was no, I, I was I saying that I'm responding to a lot of comments from comments fans, but but play this out. If the Comets are scoring nine or ten goals a game, yeah, Comets might not be fat happy if Neto goes out of his box, but in the end, does it really matter? Right. Right now, the Comets are not scoring nine or ten goals a game. There's struggles getting the ball in the net. You know, we talked about Danny Waltman. He made a lot of uh, great saves, but he made a lot of routine saves as well. And so, I don't hear Comets fans or fans of any other team, for that matter wringing their hands about the offense and, and and the deal about indoor soccer it it's a back and forth game offense doesn't even necessarily mean forwards when i talk about offense i'm talking about anybody who's capable of scoring a goal and in kansas city's case a lot of the goal scoring has come from defenders and midfielders this year i just think it's going to take time for all these pieces now that Andreas is back, now that that Benji's back, it's going to take a little bit more time to get all the pieces together in the in the right place. But it's going to take some patience from fans. It's going to take some some patience from the team it, itself, as Leo puts what will be a team that will be competitive in the playoffs through the next few months. Yeah, and, and again, we we remember that a lot of the guys who are scheduled to play haven't played or was not able to play for the first eight games still not making excuses it's just the way it is uh but yeah i've had this conversation with some other people it, it seems like you're talking to people who's very critical of the the keeper um i'm being occasionally critical of of netto but i think the offense has been poor at times uh the offensive player of the month john sosa being a big star of it currently but after that, it's really been pretty lackluster, I would say. Um, they've averaged about five goals a game. And I looked at last year, they averaged, I think, six and a half goals a game. And their defense was a little bit more solid through the first half of the season. Remember, they built all their points last year through the first half-ish of the season when they had uh, guys like Matt Lewis and McLaughlin there to help bolster that defense. 
now they're they're the they're the same team essentially that was there last year, a lot of them. And there's there there's a little bit of struggle on the defensive end too, which again causes will is a chain reaction will cause Neto to maybe do be a little more active and do some decision making that he may not have if his defense is cutting things off in front of him a little bit better. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're a goalkeeper and there's nothing coming to you, you're standing in your box the whole time and not having to worry, do I run out of my box to cut off somebody who's in the corner or somebody's coming in on a breakaway? I, I just think that right now there's uh, comments are at a place they didn't expect to be when right. we had our first podcast when we were doing sort of what to expect in this year. They've had to adjust to a lot of unforeseen consequences this is a resilient group. They are putting the pieces together. And I think that when we get together for the next podcast and we look ahead to St. Louis and Milwaukee, which will be one of the biggest weekends on the schedule in, in, in this entire season, it's going to require a team effort because those are both intense games. You know that St. Louis fans circle Kansas City on the calendar. And and we haven't talked a lot about Milwaukee. Milwaukee is still undefeated. And there's the the matter of what players and fans have been saying about the quality of Kansas City. I don't know if that's about our metro area. I don't know if it's about the team, but it, it's it's less than positive. And so there's going to be a lot of added focus and pressure on that game. What are the comments going to bring when Milwaukee comes back to town? It's going to take a lot, but it's going to take that focus of the team to, to plow through uh, what will be a, a, a series of intense moments. No, I think that's uh pretty accurate. This, these, these next few games will tell a lot. We said that about Tacoma though, and that didn't go so well, but uh, we'll, I don't want to call anything must win games. Cause they're not, I don't, they're not at that point yet, but it's, it's getting closer and closer to must get points. So as you said at the beginning of this, so, so don't make it about Kansas City. I, I closed with the soccer fans. I said, do you remember the COVID year? San Diego came into the playoffs with a losing record, and they won the, they won the championship. Yep. Does anybody remember? How many people, when they think about it, think, oh, yeah, San Diego, they were, they were a losing team that year? No, they remember. That was the 15th championship that they won, and that's, that's it. And so we can have these conversations. The comments can be at a certain place in January – Ultimately, what people are going to remember, where were they in April heading into May? And uh, and and I think that you go to enough practices, you see the competition there. They just get everybody clicking. There is firepower on this team. There's will on this team. There's talent on this team to take it all the way and uh, and let it, let the chances roll in, in a, a competitive uh, playoff format. And again, you're right. The one of the definite positive about this team is they do have the capability to play with anybody. They have they've also demonstrated the 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 capability to play down to anybody at times, also. So they just have to get that that focus and get consistent with everything. Uh, I was it was looking through some stuff earlier too, but so I just wanted to go with another uh, positive and just you know if you want to like throw stuff in San Diego's faces, look at the average attendance for each team. I got that question, Dad. So I got that question about what is Kansas City doing well and what could we learn from from uh, San Diego? And I've actually had that question a couple different times now recently. 
kudos to the front office staff. They've been cranking it out and 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 the credit that they've received, I think is is well deserved. We've seen great crowds game in, game out. They were anticipating 3,000 against Tacoma. I think the final attendance was 4,011. So so kudos to them. Being on 38th the spot in Kansas City has definitely paid off. There are people who are watching games on TV who haven't even made their way to Twitch who yeah. are saying, hey, I need to get out to Cable Dahmer Arena. You drive around town, you see digital billboards with comments. So sometimes I'll be driving like on 435. It's like, oh, look, there's a comments billboard there, which is really cool. It's a great feeling. And I, and I think they're, that that Kansas City, the Comets feel that they're a part of this community. Not that this doesn't happen in any other city in the MASL, but the, but there's something real here in Kansas City. You put all those pieces together. And um, yeah, it shouldn't be a surprise that Kansas City is leading the, the league in attendance. Well, and the problem is everything you just said is something that every other team should be able to do, should be capable to do, should be doing. And so we, if you, again, we want to taunt San Diego, they're, they have attendance of 1,482 average. Kansas City has an attendance of 4,446 average, which is highest but, in the but, league but by think, almost 1,000. I, I said, I, I closed that episode saying, I think when San Diego is is doing well, it's great for the rest of the league. I think what they assumed I meant was when San Diego is winning championships, it's great for the rest of the league. That's not what I said. I hope not. I would, I would want to see San Diego selling out. You have a 16-time championship team. You should be selling out your arena because you're the best in the business, right? I think it's Kansas City fans, Kansas City owners, Kansas City players, etc., should want to play in front of sellout crowds everywhere they go. Yes, that's good for the league. It's good for the game experience. It's good. It's good all the way around. So anything that we can do to share what's great in Kansas City share ideas, get on other people's shows, talk up indoor soccer. It's good for the entire game and the entire league. Absolutely. It's not, and I, it's not that I don't want them to have good attendance, but I'm going to taunt them for not having it. So, I mean, I think that's fair too. All right. We just have a, another little minute here to go. Uh, any prediction or you want to, you want to make a prediction for San Diego or I, I know we always hate to do that sort of stuff. Oh, I hate to do predictions. I, I told the the soccer's announcers I've been to more than my fair share games in, in San Diego. And I have never seen the soccer's lose there. It's not a prediction, but my hope is the Comets play this game tight and take it to overtime and whatever happens in overtime happens. That's, that's my hope. Okay. It's not necessarily a prediction, but I would love to break my jinx in in the Pachanga Arena. How about right. you? Um, I'll give you a different question. Not we're not talking score. What's the over under on blue cards? Uh, I think it'll be less. I think it'll be less than than last year. So if if the Comets pulled forty two or whatever penalty minutes, I I think it'll be less than half that. I think they learned some things last year. The other thing, to keep in mind, Leo was not out there. For uh, I guess you'd call it paternity leave. Lucian was yeah. was having a baby, and so there was no Leo on the field. I think that changes things dramatically, and I would expect the tenor of the game to be quite different than what we saw last year. Right. I'm going to say the over under is five, and I'm going to say over. So okay. I, hopefully, I'm wrong. How about that? We'll All right. see. Uh, I think we've uh, discussed everything we need to discuss today, at least that we have time to. 
And I appreciate you coming on as always. And I think we are out.